Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the ARD podcast. My name is Caroline Ospert. I'm a social media advisor for ARD and a research group leader at the Center of Experimental Rheumatology at the University Hospital in Zurich. Today I'm here with Gisela Orozco and Paul Martin from the University of Manchester and we will discuss a study that they published in ARD and the title of this study is Chromatin Interactions Reveal Novel Gene Targets for Drug Repositioning in Rheumatic Diseases. So Gisela and Paul, thanks a lot uh, for joining us and maybe you can just quickly introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about yourself. Hello, thank you so much for inviting us to talk about our work. We are based at the Center for Genetics and Genomics versus Arthritis at the University of Manchester in the UK. My name is Gisela Orozco and I am a Wellcome Trust Senior Fellow leading the Functional Genomics Program of Work in Rheumatoid Arthritis at the Center. And my name is Paul Martin and I'm a Versus Arthritis Fellow and I specialize in Bioinformatics and Genomics Analysis. Thanks a lot. So, um, as the title of your study already said, you looked at chromatin interactions to reveal uh, novel gene targets. So, maybe you can just explain a bit about what are chromatin interactions and how they can be analyzed and which methods you used uh, in this uh, study. Yes, so genomes are folded in a complex way, so they can be accommodated in the limited space of the cell nucleus. But this folding also has a role in the regulation of gene expression, as chromatin interactions can bring together enhancers and promoters. Studying this phenomenon can help us understand the mechanism by which genetic variants contribute to disease risk. Genome-wide association studies have discovered hundreds of genetic variants that are associated with risk of rheumatic diseases, like rheumatoid arthritis, but 90% of them do not map to genes, and it's quite difficult to understand what their role in the biology of disease is. But we know now that disease variants are enriched in enhancers that can regulate distant genes through chromatin interactions. So characterizing chromatin interactions can help us identify what are the genes that are dysregulated by disease variants. In terms of the, uh, the techniques that we can use to study these, most high-throughput methods to characterize chromatin interactions are based on a technique called HI-C. This technique has the ability of identifying all chromatin interactions that are present in a sample. But in our study, we used capture HI-C, which is a modification of HI-C to, to specifically enrich HI-C uh, libraries for interactions involving specific regions of the genome. In our case, we enriched for regions of the genome that contain risk variants for rheumatic diseases, including rheumatoid arthritis, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and psoriatic arthritis. Okay, so you actually went from the known risk variants that there were for these diseases, and then you looked for the which uh, genes they, they could interact. So... Um, Actually, but then when you had this list, uh, I noticed you did a lot of uh, quite a strict and extensive filtering. So is this necessary or why did you do this filtering step? Our experiment was done on cell lines, a B cell line and a T cell line. And we produced a list of genes that interact with disease-associated variants. And the aim of the filtering of the results was to refine our list of genes so we only take into consideration the most uh, biologically relevant ones. 
the most meaningful interactions are the ones occurring between active enhancers containing disease variants and active promoters. So we used epigenetic data from the roadmap project from B and T cells to discard any interactions that did not fulfill this criteria. And we also used uh, transcriptomics data to discard any genes that are not expressed in T and B cells. And this curated list of genes potentially implicated in disease was then taken forward to identify existing drugs that can target them. Okay, so like this you wanted actually or could make sure that the list really contains regions that are active in these cells and probably have an impact also on transcription. So in your figure two actually, then you, you show the, the loci that you found to interact. And I found the three things very striking in this figure. So the first one is that in most cases, more than one gene is affected. Actually, more than six genes often are affected by one of the SNPs. And then often the previously reported gene that was thought to be associated with this locus is not detected by this method. And then sometimes you could not uh, identify any associations. So just for the first point, maybe what does that mean for all the data that is published up to now where we had a risk SNP and then just the nearest gene was described to be like the effector gene uh, and now this was not coming up at all or many others were coming up. So are these now all obsolete or could that be that there is any way of effect that you could not detect? So what do you say to that? So firstly, uh, for the associations where the previously reported gene was not identified by our Capture High C experiment, it doesn't necessarily mean that that gene isn't important to disease. Uh, so there could be several reasons why our method didn't identify it. But firstly, uh, Capture High C has limited power to detect close range interactions due to the inherent noise of the technique. Um, it's possible that a particular gene is active in another cell type or under different conditions and therefore the interaction is not present in our data or the association directly influences the gene by either altering uh, an amino acid or affecting the promoter directly. Uh, so this is also true of the associations where no gene was identified by Capture High C. However, um, as you pointed out, uh, our work does highlight that multiple genes may also be involved for many of the associations. So while it doesn't uh, invalidate previous findings based on reported genes, it does mean that we are potentially missing important effects on multiple other genes and that these associations may be more detrimental than maybe initially thought. Yes, I mean, I think it's really nice to see that just one risk locus can actually have so many uh, effects on, on many different pathways, uh, probably. And this is then also what you did. So you took all your list and then you did a pathway analysis and you went into the drug bank database, which you can actually use to, to see whether any drugs are there that, that target your, your gene or transcript of interest. And strikingly, what you found is that you could identify 95% of all the drugs used currently in RE. And I think this is this quite striking that this, this overlap was so huge. And you also identified quite interesting new targets and new pathways like the CD40 signaling pathway, which harbored quite interesting targets. So I think there is also still future work to do to look at this more closely. So, and actually you already mentioned, so you looked at, at different diseases. You looked at RA, psoriatic arthritis, and juvenile idiopathic arthritis. So were there any striking differences between these diseases? 
So I think the most uh, striking difference between the diseases was the number of genes and consequently drugs which were identified. So for example, we identified almost three times the number of genes for rheumatoid arthritis compared to, uh, to psoriatic arthritis and almost 300 more than juvenile idiopathic arthritis. However, this was uh, probably largely due to our increased knowledge of the genetics of rheumatoid arthritis compared to the other two diseases. Uh, and indeed, where associations overlap, no difference was observed. Additionally, uh, cell type may play an important part. So for example, CD8 T cells in psoriatic arthritis may be more relevant. And by performing capture high C in other cell types, it may yield further targets for consideration. Yeah, so actually when you mentioned the cell types, of course, it's quite important to look at the right cell type to see whether this uh, risk SNP is active there. Maybe there are also different interaction and different cell types. So you use two different cell types in your study. Maybe you can just say which ones and whether any uh, specific differences between the cell types you used. So the two cell types we used were, uh, were a B cell line and a T cell line. Um, and previous work using Capture High C has shown that while there is a high degree of overlap between cell types, there are still cell type differences. So for example, previous work by our collaborators, so the team led by Peter Fraser, uh, showed that while a large proportion of interactions are invariant, uh, both high C and Capture High C can still be used to segregate cell types consistent with the hematopoietic tree. So while cell type differences were not as obvious in our data, we were able to identify some pathways which showed a higher significance in one cell type over the other. So for example, the IL-6 signaling pathways were more associated using target genes identified in B cells only. So a whole genome approach in relevant samples would help to determine whether these differences are important in rheumatic diseases. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, also T and B cells, these are both immune cells. So maybe if you would also look into a stroma cell, for instance, there might be a bit of a different type of pathways that might be, be activated. So I mentioned already, so you could identify 95% of the drugs used in ARI. Of course, these are immune suppressive drugs, so they target also inflammatory pathways. Um, but then, actually, when you looked into your list, there were also some drugs that were targeting totally different things like fatigue or pain. So uh, I found that quite surprising. And does this actually indicate that maybe also these symptoms of the disease might have a genetic background? Yeah, so, so you're correct. It was interesting and, and also somewhat unexpected to identify these drugs. Um, and I think whilst others have shown a role for genetics in chronic pain disorders, it's not really possible to say that there's a genetic basis for pain, for example, from this data. Um, it would, however, be interesting to see what happens uh, to these interactions um, in samples of different genetic backgrounds, as this could suggest a role for genetics in the treatment of either pain or fatigue. Yes, for sure. So um, do you have any, any follow-up studies planned on this topic? Any future uh, studies that you still want to do on this? Yes, absolutely. So now that we have shown that integrating functional genomics and GWAS data could be a promising way to accelerate drug repositioning, we are transferring this pipeline to primary cells from patients. It is important to note that the regulation of gene expression is highly context-specific, which means that it may be different in patients compared to healthy individuals. And as we have already mentioned here, it, it, the regulation of gene expression could be different in different cell types. 
So now we are generating data sets in relevant primary cells from patients to create an even more refined catalog of genes and enhancers that mediate disease. And we are hoping that, that this will help us understand more about the biology underlying rheumatic diseases and potentially identify drug targets. Yeah, so that's for sure sounds really interesting. And uh, we hope maybe this study will then also be published in ARD and we can do another podcast on that, discussing <laughs> this data. So for now, uh, thanks a lot. Any, any key take-home messages? Anything you still want to mention? Yeah, the main two key messages from this study and others is that genetic studies like GWAS have been successful, but have so far had limited impact in identifying genes and functional mechanisms of disease. Our study suggests that using GWAS, Capture High C and other omics data has the potential to identify genes which are functionally relevant and then by interrogating databases of existing therapies, we can propose drugs that could be repositioned to treat rheumatic diseases. Yeah, so this sounds really like the new promising way to go. So thanks a lot for Gisela and Paul talking uh, to us and discussing your paper. And thank you very much to our audience. If you are interested and you want to download uh, the paper, please go on the webpage ard.bmj.com. And you can also reach us via Twitter at uh, ARD underscore BMJ. So thanks a lot for listening and goodbye.